Hi everyone, I'm HP Braincase. And I'm JR Skinny Cat. And welcome back to Re-DCAU, your DC Animated Universe rewatch podcast. Or, for those of you who like to have your podcast represented by a random color and animal like flashcards on Sesame Street, Red Blue cow. Squirrel. Oh, Red Cow. Red Cow would be much better. <laughs> oh my god. This episode, we're going to be discussing episode 6 of Batman the Animated Series, The Underdwellers, directed by Frank Parr, who will go on to direct 16 more episodes, which I hope are better than this one, and with story by Tom Ruger, who also did the story for Pretty Poison. The teleplay for this episode was written by Jules Dennis and Richard Mueller. I want to mention that this episode includes themes of child abuse and neglect, it ended up being an emotional episode for me, which was unexpected. Indeed, but despite the heavy emotional material, the episode itself ultimately doesn't add much to the mythos of this world's Batman. The villain in this episode, the Sewer King, is never mentioned again. And this episode is notable for having the smallest cast of any DC Animated Universe production, with only four credited voice actors. The episode opens on a pair of teenage boys who are playing chicken on top of a high-speed train, with Batman showing up at the last second to save one of them who gets caught in the wiring on top of the train. He also delivers one of his patented one-liners, which I hate. He says <laughs> to the boy who he saved, You play chicken long enough. You fry. And I, I sigh. <sighs> This adds a layer of depth to Batman, I think. So far, we've seen him as playboy, vigilante, rich guy, and now he's seen as a good Samaritan. He's helping the population of Gotham just to help. Also, this opening scene highlights a weird trend that happened in cartoons in the 90s, which is teenagers playing chicken on top of trains. I have a really distinct memory of this same thing happening in an episode of Captain Planet. And when I did a little bit of digging, I found out that it came out in 1993, not too long after this episode was released in the grand scheme of things. Hmm. Elsewhere in Gotham, a rather rich-looking woman has her purse stolen by a child wearing a green cloak, at which time she calls the police and tells them that she was accosted by none other than a leprechaun, which the police are somewhat incredulous about. Hmm. But Batman happens to overhear the conversation because Batman is everywhere and decides, you know what? I dress up as a bat to fight crime, so maybe leprechauns aren't too far-fetched. So Batman decides to go chasing after the leprechaun, at which point he is almost run over by a police cruiser before the boy slips away into a sewer grate, I believe. In this scene, we get a close-up of one of the cop's faces, and you can see a reflection of the Batman symbol in her eyes. After almost getting run over, we transition back to the Batcave, where Bruce is having a conversation with Alfred about the strange things he's seen tonight. Alfred is listening to the radio, which, in order to facilitate the conversation, Bruce turns off using a remote control, which highlights to me just how rich Bruce was in the 90s again, because I certainly didn't have an AM FM radio with a remote control at the time. Yeah, and Alfred says, not in the mood for Brahms, are we? And like the little musical Easter eggs they gave us in this episode... Alfred is talking about Johannes Brahms, who's a German composer and pianist of the Romantic period. He lived from 1833 to 1897. Nice. That's awesome. Bruce is also talking with Alfred about how tired he's feeling lately. 
But knowing that there's more to the crime than he's able to deduce right now, he decides he's going to head out to the theater district to do some more investigating. Yeah, Alfred is realizing that Bruce might be experiencing some burnout and suggests that maybe he take a break. And Batman is so not into that idea. He shuts it down immediately and decides that the answer to burnout is to do more of the same. I don't get it. From here, we cut to the scene underneath the theater district where a large group of children is silently sewing clothing, farming mushrooms, and stowing items they've stolen from people on the street, like the leprechaun we saw earlier on in the episode. One of the farming boys gets hit in the leg with a hoe and cries out in pain until one of his friends tries to quiet him down. A bell rings, summoning all of the children into a room that is lit by a single candle, and they come before a man who calls himself their king and gives them their first lesson. Strictly no talking. As a punishment, he takes the offending boy and pushes him into a room lit by fluorescent lights. The rest of the children at this point are sent out to commit more robberies. Yeah, the music in this section gets really somber, which probably played into my feeling of emotional connection to the children. That makes sense. The thing that really got to me with this scene, though, is just, at least for me, the Sewer King is way too over the top. His flamboyant outfit, his mannerisms, I just can't engage with him as a character because he's just evil. He has no depth. I like villains that have more going on in their minds, and this guy just doesn't work for me. But in doing the research for this episode and finding out that this was all taking place under the theater district, that makes a little more sense. Maybe he used to be an actor, and he's overdramatic for those reasons. Yeah, he definitely is just evil. The things he puts these children through is uh, uh, heartbreaking. Let me run down the list. Sensory deprivation, social isolation, brainwashing, slavery, neglecting food, clothing, healthcare, and hygiene, white torture, which is what he did with that one child, throwing him into the room with all the light, and manipulating the children into believing that he's the only one who cares for them. Yeah, he's a real piece of language I'm not going to use on this podcast. I do also want to know how he knew which boy shouted because he wasn't at the farm. And as we noticed when we were watching the episode, the boy's clothes change literally three times between the time we first see him and the time he gets thrown into the room because of inconsistent animation. Yeah, that was weird. While the rest of the children are out roaming the streets committing robberies, Batman searches an alleyway and uses a red visor that looks kind of like Cyclops' visor from the X-Men cartoon of the similar era to find a hidden doorway. Breaking his way through the door, he finds his way into the sewers and locates a message saying, Beware the Sewer King. There are also a couple of rats that scurry away, and uh, <laughs> this is the maybe only funny part. No! No, this is the first of two funny parts in this episode. Batman sees the rats and just glares. <laughs> I guess he doesn't like rats. All right. Well, yeah, he's Batman, not Ratman. <laughs> also, I want to call out just how is this Sewer King guy's lair secret? These are publicly owned tunnels. Like, is there not a municipality that handles sewer maintenance that would... I don't know, 
see all this graffiti. Whatever. Batman continues searching through the sewers and eventually trips over an alarm made of cans connected to a string because Batman is like a ninja, except apparently not in this episode. Right. Yeah, it's so unlike him. One of the boys down in the sewer hears the can alarm and tries to run away, but for some reason he runs towards the cans. I didn't really get that. I thought he was running to see what set off the alarm. But yeah, not only does he run towards the cans, he runs right into Batman. At which point he backs away, scared, because it's Batman and he's scary, and falls onto the subway tracks right in front of an oncoming train for our second near train death of the episode. I say near train death because Batman manages to save him and take him to the Batmobile, which is cleverly concealed as a dumpster, which folds away to reveal the vehicle, allowing them to get in and drive back to the Batcave. Batman introduces Alfred to the boy and explains that he'll be taking care of him for a while, and Alfred claims to not know how to take care of a child. This is odd to me because didn't he raise bruce i'm pretty sure he did i mean that's how i've always understood their relationship either way alfred puts the boy to bed and tries to wake him up the next morning but he refuses to get out of bed and is clearly sensitive to the light alfred is having none of it however and forces him out of bed and takes him into the bathroom to get cleaned up for those of you who have cats that don't like their cat carriers, if you could imagine the thing that your cat does when you try and shove it into the cat carrier and it doesn't want to go in and it puts all four feet up against the door to prevent you from putting them in, this is exactly what's happening with Alfred and the boy. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the underground, the Sewer King is enjoying an opulent meal of turkey and various accoutrements. It's basically Thanksgiving dinner that he's eating while all of the children get to watch. He asks Frog to bring him the rolls. Frog, we find out, is the boy that Batman has kidnapped. And I'm just now realizing that, yes, he's trying to save them, but Batman also kidnapped his child. <laughs> oh, God. When he receives the rolls, but sees that Frog is not the one who brought it to him, he loses his mind and demands that the children go out and find Frog and don't get to eat until they do. On the other hand, our young hero, Frog, is back at Wayne Manor being served a breakfast of sausage and eggs with toast. Yeah, Frog is wearing the same clothes, the same ratty, torn up, dirty clothes that he's been wearing in the sewer. I'm surprised that Bruce or Alfred, neither of them, can't get the kid some clean clothes with all that money. No? Okay. It is super odd because Alfred is also insisting that Frog be proper and use silverware, which Frog promptly stuffs inside his sewer shirt and tries to steal, even going so far as to steal the silverware tray and run away from Alfred, using it to slide down the stairs like you did when you were a kid before the internet. Amidst his wild, almost homologian antics, Frog stumbles into sort of a display room that Bruce has and picks up an antique blunderbuss and starts waving it around. This is where we find out that Batman has a nanny cam set up. Indeed, he sees what's going on on the cameras and intervenes, taking the blunderbuss away from Frog and saying that it wasn't loaded, but it could have been. To which I say, no, Bruce, it couldn't have, unless you or Alfred loaded it. I understand that the episode was going for a message of gun safety, but come on, guys. 
work it in a little better, I think. Following this, Batman convinces Frog to take him down into the sewers where he lives. Batman sees the other children who are being abused and gets real mad. Yeah, Batman takes a moment to take pictures of what he witnesses, which shows us that he's smart. He can stay cool-headed when he needs to be so that he gets the evidence he needs. Indeed, Master Detective Bruce Wayne with his disposable camera. Following this, he asks Frog to direct him to where their abuser can be found, and Frog leads him into the chamber from earlier with the bell hanging from the ceiling, which Batman rings to summon the children and eventually rings it so hard that it breaks. Yeah, this is meant to be a metaphor for the children to show that they will never hear that bell again. They will no longer be in this situation and that help is on its way. The effect is kind of ruined for me a little bit by another animation inconsistency because when we first see the bell, it's supported by a metal pipe. Then, suddenly, when Batman needs to break it, it's hung from wood. Either way, however, it is at this point, with the bell broken, that the Sewer King arrives, flanked by a couple of pet alligators, which he promptly sicks on the intruders. Batman easily manages to disable the alligators, of course, but the Sewer King threatens to kill one of the children. At this point, Frog swings in and saves the child, allowing Batman to pursue the king. Yeah, I think Batman kills one of the alligators, which, like, isn't his whole deal that he doesn't kill? I think his whole deal is that he doesn't kill people. Wanton animal abuse, I guess, in the 90s? Totally cool. This is a bad thing, don't kill alligators. His alligators dispatched, the Sewer King runs away, and Batman gives chase, but it's a trap. Batman trips and falls down a hole, just barely managing to save himself from falling into a giant pool full of yet more alligators. Yeah, Batman grabs hold of a pipe before falling down into the pit. And I realized Batman is forever dangling from something. Well, yeah, he's a bat. That's how they sleep. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Whoa. Mind blown. Anyway... The Sewer King, of course, tries to push Batman in, but Batman's too quick for him, and the Sewer King is grabbed and pulled down. Batman proffers a hand to his enemy, offering to save him from a grisly death, but the Sewer King refuses the offer for help and falls into the pit, where his alligators dive in after him. Batman obviously believes him to be dead, but the Sewer King emerges from the other side of the pool laughing and states that they are his pets, and they would never hurt him. Batman swings down to continue giving chase, and delivers what I think might be the first well-written one-liner in this entire show. As he's exiting the room full of alligators, he simply looks over his shoulder and says, Later. This is the second funny thing in this episode. This is awesome. It's perfection. So Batman continues chasing after the Sewer King, and they end up in the subway yet again, where they fall onto the track, and we get the third train-related near-death experience. However, Batman, being Batman, saves the Sewer King, who is bewildered that his enemy would save him. Batman, though expressing a desire to have left the Sewer King in front of the train, claims that he does not pass judgment and will instead be handing the Sewer King over to the authorities. Later, we see the children being removed from the sewers and embracing their newfound freedom, Frog specifically proclaiming his wonder at the light 
while Batman watches from afar and smiles as the children are taken in by social workers. This is another example of metaphor used in the episode. The children being literally escorted from the darkness into the light parallels what the writers want us to believe about the children's lives, that they've gone from this dark place emotionally and physically onto a better life. However, with everything these children have been through, they're likely to carry a lot of mental illness issues with them through the rest of their lives. All right, then. Well, on that incredibly positive note, before we get to our ratings, do we have any closing notes for the episode? This episode, for me, felt a lot shorter, a whole lot shorter, especially, than Pretty Poison did. There wasn't nearly as much scene switching, and it was a lot quieter. You know, I agree. I think the lack of dialogue, especially, led to this episode feeling much shorter than previous episodes, despite being standard length. Also, we have one last order of business to attend to before we get to our ratings, and that is our sponsor. This episode of ReDCAU is brought to you, but not really, by the new rage in car concealment for the crime-fighting elite. The Pop-Up Dumpster by Vehicular Vigilante. Forget car alarms or GPS-based retrieval systems. Just convince everyone your car isn't worth stealing by disguising it as a literal box of garbage. This wonderful tech installs to the bottom of your vehicle and is voice-activated, allowing you to keep your keyring clutter-free. Order now and we'll throw in a visor that helps you detect secret doors. How does it work? We don't know, and neither did the writers. Vehicular Vigilante, because you have more money than sense. Thanks! So, let's rate this episode. I'm gonna be honest, not a big fan. I think this was probably my least favorite episode of the series so far. That's understandable. I feel like the writers lacked creativity in this one. There were three near-death train incidents? Incidences? Incidai? Incidentals. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) either way yeah this episode of batman the animated series brought to you by the automotive lobby trains are dangerous they'll kill y'all so what was your rating you know i'm gonna go ahead and give this one a three out of ten cows Ooh. yeah Ooh. Ooh. um i don't know what has my lowest rating been five i have no idea i don't know i i think i'm gonna give this one a four it was so quiet it was just trains 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 But I think there's something to be said about the emotional aspect of it. I mean, it did make me feel something for the characters, which I'm watching a cartoon. I don't expect that, especially a cartoon from the 90s. Yeah, one thing we have to remember, contextually speaking, when we're talking about these episodes, is that this was a Saturday morning cartoon, so... It was really ahead of its time as far as the narratives that it was delivering for what it was. Yeah, that's really super heavy subject material for a Saturday morning cartoon. Also, I want to give them credit for finally giving us a one-liner that was funny. Thank you. It was very funny. And with that, I would say we've come to the end of our discussion of The Underdwellers, episode 6 of Batman the Animated Series. On the next episode of Read DCAU, we'll be reviewing the episode titled POV. Indeed. And in the meantime, if you would like to experience more of myself or JR, you can find us at various places around the internet. On Twitter, I am at HP Braincase. And I'm at JR Skinny Cat. 
We also stream together on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash hpbraincase. Every Sunday we play horror video games together. And if you would like to support the podcast and the other content we create, you can head on over to patreon.com slash hpbraincase. It's a great way to support what we do, and it also gets you early access to every episode of the podcast as well as some other things. Until next time, I'm HP Braincase. And I'm JR Skinny Cat. May your nights be dark and your cows be red. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. After Batman is done taking quick snaps for his Instagram, Frog leads him into the chamber where the Sewer King will eventually be found. You don't like that joke? No, it's awful. No. But I'm hip. It's inappropriate for the setting. The children use Instagram. No. At least they didn't say Tinder. Oh, God. Batman. 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 This is where we find out that Batman. 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 This is to, this is supposed to show us that the children f- they, they do not. <laughs> they expressly do not do that. Wow. You didn't like my Instagram comment. <laughs> Did you say proffers? Yes. Is that a f***ing word? It was just trains, 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 tr